Welcome back to Top Terror Sports. I am Victor. I am joined today, of course, by Brett and Spencer. Thank you both for being here. Uh, we have a lot to discuss in this episode, so we will just jump right into it. Over to Brett uh, to start off with talking hockey. Yes, thank you, Victor. Uh, so, <laughs> I am standing here at Lake Placid, New York, where the NWHL has kicked off their season inside a bubble at Herb Brooks Arena. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so, the, the season started for the NWHL. They had a triple header. There's games pretty much every single night. Um we did, or there is a Hockey Thoughts episode specifically talking about the NWHL and a season preview for it, so I won't get too much into it. But um, great to see them back on the ice. It's been a success so far. They've had um, set records already for viewership for the league uh, just in the first two days. So off to a very good start. Exciting to see the new expansion team, Toronto 6, almost got their first win today but they blew a five to one lead. We won't get too much more into it than that. Cause uh don't want to harp on that too much, but um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, exciting to watch all the games are streamed for free on Twitch. So uh, give it a watch if you want. That's all I had on that. Oh, wait, no, there was one other thing. Um, Jillian Dempsey tonight scored a goal, making her the first player ever in NWHL history to have 100 career points. Um, so shout out to her. She owns the record. She's basically the Wayne Gretzky now of the NWHL, who is just in their fourth season. So obviously, you know, I know 100 points doesn't sound like anything special, but uh, worth keeping an eye on. Now I'm done. Yeah, and uh, to go off of that, it's not like they play an 82-game season like the NHL every year. So uh, for people that are going to say 100 points isn't that much in four seasons, it's not like that means, what, 300-some games played, a lot less games played than that. Yes, yeah, they typically do like, uh, I think it's normally a 32-game season. So yeah, uh, over a point-per-game player. Yes. Okay, um, from there, do we want to just jump to the NHL then and stick with hockey right now? Yeah, sure. Um, not a ton to discuss in the NHL, really. Um, just, I guess we can we can kind of go over the standings now since we didn't last week because it was like, what, three games in or something? Um right. We kind of can take a look now because now officially every team has played at least a game. And um, <laughs> it's still, uh, still kind of weird. We can't really look at the Central Division. They've had the most problems with COVID. Uh, but right now in the West, there's not really any surprises. Um, Sharks, Ducks, and Kings at the bottom, like we all had. The Knights, Wild Blues, and Avs currently holding down the playoff spots. So really no surprises there. In the North, um, the Canadian division, it has been super fun. It's been the most fun division for me, at least. I've enjoyed watching these games the most. And um, it's, it's not shocking still, the results that's happening. But um, the Oilers certainly 
struggling and the Canucks as well, two playoff teams of, from last year struggling early on here. And um, the Montreal Canadiens have yet to lose in regulation, which them and the Capitals are the only teams, well, and the Stars and Panthers, but they've played two games. Uh, them and the Capitals are the only teams that have played more than five games that have yet to lose in regulation. So good start for the Habs. Um, over in the East, nothing too surprising going on there either. And then again, in the, the Central is kind of a shit show at the moment um, with the COVID issues. So a uh, bit too early to really talk about that. Did okay. you have anything you wanted to add? I was just going to say, uh, the Canadian games, as you said, have been phenomenal. The East games have also been really fun to watch. Uh, I think at least half, it seems like. At least every other game seems like it's going to OT, uh, which makes it fun to watch. And we've already had numerous shootouts, too. But for every other team that isn't the two in that game, it's, it's going to be close because every team is getting that extra point, it feels like, uh, right off the bat. Yes, for sure. Um, Yeah, uh, well, just since last week, the Capitals now uh, also, they don't have a COVID outbreak, but they are without four of their players um, for four games out of precaution since they broke the NHL's rules and gathered in a hotel room together um <laughs> after after a game which sounds weirder than it is um but that's a rule you can't you know just hang out after the game in the same room so um they were each fined and the team was fined as well and um yeah they have to miss it's it's significant because it's um a lot of their better players that they're missing now Alex Ovechkin uh Evgeny Kuznetsov uh, Dmitry Orlov, one of their better defensemen, and their starting goaltender in Ilya Samsonov. So, not the best four players to be missing, certainly for those caps. But uh, they haven't seen to really miss a beat so far with with missing them. So, no. Uh, and although protocol is protocol, I mean, I it's weird that they can be on the bench together but not in a hotel room afterwards. Right. But, it's like oh, a jersey not- swap thing in the NFL. Like, it literally makes no sense, but it's a rule, so. Yeah. I did see that uh, Ovechkin's wife put something up because she was uh, furious with how this was all handled, obviously because they're so close to each other at other points in time. But I saw that Orlov and Ovechkin both have the antibodies for the disease. So just quick question to you guys. If someone has has tested positive for the antibodies, should they be allowed to play still? Well, that's a good thing that they have the antibodies, right? But it means that, in theory, they shouldn't be able to carry, right? Well, yeah. It, well, that means they have the antibodies to fight COVID, so they probably won't get it. Yeah. Wait, what are you asking? Yeah, I, I don't understand the question. I be allowed to be playing... The NHL games in the meantime, since like they test positive for the antibodies to fight it. So like you're yeah. saying that since he can't get it, like he like what's the harm in letting him play? Is that what you're asking? 
not what's the harm, but do you think he should be allowed? Like, I'm not saying just flat out. I oh, think yeah, fuck it. Who cares? Okay, n- never mind. <laughs> well, no, I mean, breaking protocol is breaking protocol. Like, none of them have tested positive for COVID. So, oh, I mean, yeah, whether he can get it or not, he still broke protocol. So, no, I don't think he but, should be allowed. But I'm to play. saying, like, who cares about protocol? Who cares about any of that? Just let him play. Who cares? You know? Uh, let's just act okay. like everything's normal. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Um, and then the last bit of news in the NHL, well, that we'll cover at least, is um, the Line A. Line A is now, Patrick Line A is now a Columbus Blue Jacket, and Pierre-Luc Dubois is now a Winnipeg Jet. We also have a uh, Hockey Thoughts podcast dedicated to that trade that goes way more in-depth on it, so I'm not going to harp on it here either. But one of you can, if you would like. No, uh, I definitely, rather than listen to us talk about here, would listen to Brett and Will talk about it on the Hockey Thoughts episode. Uh, There's a reason that those two are dedicated for hockey, and the analysis in that is far better than what Spencer and I will cover here. Don't let me in. But yeah, I agree. All right, uh, then that's all I had for the NHL. I don't know if uh, I missed anything. If you want to bring it up, uh, the only other thing I wanted to bring up was the Dallas Stars' performance. Uh, they were the team most delayed because of just COVID situations happening. They finally had their debut, and when I guess I w- was just curious if there would be a little bit of rust on the team. You know, they have they're the only team who hasn't played. They came out one seven nothing in their opener, uh, so. <laughs> right out to hot start there and um, they're continuing it tonight as of now. So good for them. That's all. Um, I guess just sticking with hockey, then I'll just, we'll jump to college now really quick, briefly. I just had one quick fun little note um, in college hockey. This, this, current weekend as we're recording this. Uh, so Minnesota men's hockey, I think I talked about them last week, actually, how they started 11-0. They were now 12-3. and um, They swept Arizona State this weekend. And to preface this, it had been 17 years since Minnesota scored 10 goals in a game. And they did it back-to-back nights uh, this past weekend against Arizona State, winning 10 nothing. And then ten to two, oh so outscoring God. them twenty to two in two games, uh, and sweeping Arizona State. So I think you know it's safe to say that they were pretty angry to lose their number one ranking, and uh, they actually dropped all the way to four. And uh, they they took it out on Arizona State there. Poor, uh, not <laughs> a bad Arizona State t- team either. I mean, they're a solid team. Arizona State is, but yeah, they got absolutely demolished this weekend pretty crazy do you think they're going to now that they just absolutely routed a team 20 to 2 over two games do you think they're going to move back up to that number one spot uh i don't i think well so bowling green uh lost one of their games this week and they were in front of them so they'll drop but um boston college swept and north dakota swept as well and they were also ahead so i I, I don't see any reason why, you know, if they won their games, they shouldn't drop just because Minnesota won. 
right in a insane fashion but i do think they'll move up to three um but we'll find out tomorrow the rankings come out every monday yeah i feel like it's always a lot harder for a team to climb back up once they fall uh because you're base, you basically just need the teams ahead of you to lose, and there's not really many other times we see jumps other than that. For sure, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I guess that's yeah. I think that's all I have for college hockey. I feel like I'm forgetting something now, but we can move on. If I remember, I'll bring it up again later. Okay, um, Spencer. I guess that means it's your time to shine. Oh boy. We- over to the MLB, where a lot happened since our last recording. So take it away. Yes, the the baseball offseason is actually finally kicking off. Um, some of these signings are rather small, but we have two big trades to go over. And uh, just just a couple of signings to note. Um, what do you want to start? Do you want me to start with the trades? Since I feel like, uh, Brett, I feel like you'll definitely have stuff to say there or would you rather me go through these signings do, yeah. and then what, what was that you can uh why don't you just start with the signings and then we'll get into the trade perfect all right victor did you say you also have stuff to say uh maybe here and there along the way okay cool but here I, we go i did not <laughs> all right well the first i guess notable signing uh john lester signed with the nationals on a one-year five million dollar deal there's a mutual option for next year um lester uh he signed i think it was like a six-year deal way back in 2015 with the cubs and he had mild success there but definitely the past two years was pretty awful um but definitely a uh a reclamation project for the nationals to work on and then about an hour before we started, they also signed uh, Brad Hand, which I can't remember if I had talked about Hand and signing with the Mets in like a previous week. But if I did, that deal fell through. It didn't happen. I, I lied if I said it. Um, Hand was really he was a really good relief pitcher with the Padres for quite some time. Uh, he was he was one of those players like Troy Tulowitzki of every year he was going to get traded and never got traded, but the Padres finally traded him to the Indians where he continued to be one of the better relief pitchers in the league. Uh, Past five years, he's had an ERA of 3.30 or lower. And just this past year, he had a 2.05 and um, 16 saves in 22 innings. So he is a pretty good lockdown guy for the Nationals bullpen. Love that signing. And if I didn't say that was a one-year, $10.5 million deal. The Blue Jays did a couple of things. They signed Kirby Yates, who was the 2019 NL Saves leader, to a $5.5 million deal, also a one-year deal. Uh, He also, most recently, played for the Padres. Um, Really like that signing. Uh, he, he had some elbow issues this past year, but I think, uh, I think he'll bounce back. And again, another dominant guy, but the bigger move that the blue Jays made was they signed George Springer 
to a six-year, $150 million deal. I did not expect this. I thought Springer would stay with the Astros. I thought they would do as much as they could to keep him. And I honestly wasn't sure if other teams were going to want to sign him. But as we always talk about, if you are talented, people are willing to forget about anything good, bad, and different that you have done. Um, in he, Springer's only been in the league for seven years. It feels like it's been a lot longer, but he already has 174 home runs under his belt, 450 RBIs. He's a career 270 hitter. He's a great postseason hitter. Uh, he's finished in the MVP race a couple of times, but fairly close. So really, really good outfielder who's going to be roaming center field, I'm assuming, for the Blue Jays. You guys have anything on this? Six years, $150 million. Too much? Too little? What do you think? Um, I think I think it's appropriate. Uh, I think George Springer's a great player. And, you know, the Blue Jays seem to kind of be on the cusp of greatness. And I think that'll kind of help propel them uh, further. He's going to be a great piece. He's still not that – like, he's still relatively young. Mm-hmm. And to uh, pair with Bo Bichette, Bichetti, excuse me, and Vlad Jr., I think uh, they got a nice little, uh, nice little coy there now. Agreed, Victor. Anything? Uh, I mean, they're in a tough division, so it's definitely a move that you guys believe will help them. Then it's much needed because. I don't really see some of the other teams there really dropping that much. So uh, you got to move past them somehow. Do you see the Blue Jays uh, being a top two in their division next year after this addition? Oh, it's tough. Yankees and the the Rays are obviously going to be their biggest competition. Um, I don't know if they, I don't know if they'll necessarily be top two, but this is definitely going to be a good, good push to try and make the postseason at the very least um okay. he's yeah he's definitely going to be a huge offensive and you pointed out some of the, the pieces that are in that lineup brett um that i think he'll pair nicely with and you also brought up he's 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 31 so signing a signing a 31 year old to a six-year deal really isn't that ugly sometimes when guys first hit um free agency they can depending on their age, sign these really ugly contracts that end up biting in the long run. But, you know, at the end of this, he'll be 37 making, you know, what, 25 million, give or take. Um, but really not that bad. I think I think the Blue Jays are going to do well with this. Yeah, and Victor, to answer your question, I just I, – I don't think the Blue Jays have the pitching to finish top two. But I do like them to to probably be a wild card team. Okay. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, obviously, we still have some off season, so maybe they get some rotation pieces yet. But that's definitely the pitching side of things are where they need the most help, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then almost the Blue Jays almost signed Michael Brantley as well. Apparently, Brantley and Springer are good friends. They banged on trash cans together fun, jolly old time. However, the Astros did re-sign Michael Brantley, probably one of the more underrated players um, 
consistently. I mean, he was a he was a great player uh, all those years for the the Indians. He went to Houston. He's been there for the past two years. Just as good there. Consistently a 300 hitter. I mean, over his career, 12 years, he's a 297 hitter. Asher's re-signed him two years, 32 million, which good on them. They need that because they just lost their, their best outfielder. So they they at least retain him. Um, let's see. What's next? The Angels signed Jose Quintana to a one-year, $8 million deal. He's a solid innings eater, and he hasn't been great since leaving the White Sox, but what's notable about that is that the Cubs traded you Darvish, they lose Quintana, and they lose John Lester to free agency. So it's going to be a new-look Cubs this year. Chris Bryant's unhappy, and so, yeah, I think the Cubs are doomed to head back to their losing ways here pretty soon. Um, the Nationals re-signed Ryan Zimmerman. That's fun. Uh, the Red Sox signed Garrett Richards to a one-year $10 million deal. You guys may or may not know this. Garrett Richards is one of my favorite pitchers in baseball. He's been hurt the past couple of years. Um, but he's, he's really good. He's like quietly always a really solid pitcher. Really good at um, not allowing runs to score, which is what you want from your pitcher. But he's been dealing with injuries lately. One year, $10 million, though, to the Red Sox. I like that. I am pausing in case anybody wants to say anything about anything right now. Before I keep about this, anything? About, yeah, before I just steamroll. This can be an intermission if we want to, like, talk about – I don't know. Did you get Duncan today, Brett? Uh, I did not. Not today, no. Um. That, well, there's some baseball stuff I want to make sure uh, we we touch on, but you'll probably get there, so I'll just wait. Yeah, I'm so, still going. Don't worry. We've we're almost through these signings. Three more, and then we'll be done. Is that the all clear? Yeah, yeah, that's all clear. All right, train's going. Astros signed Jason Castro. He played for them four years ago. Spent some time with the Twins. Spent some time with the Angels. Uh, catcher. I think he he probably contributed to the Twins breaking the home run record uh what was that two years ago now at this point uh they signed him to a one-year seven million dollar deal he's a solid backstop so cool uh the Padres re-signed Jerks and Profar to a three-year 21 million dollar deal and this is probably the move I hate the most that the Padres have done this offseason but there is an opt-out after each one of those years so when Profar goes back to sucking ass they can just cut him uh, and then last but not least, the Twins signed J.A. Happ. Brett, I thought you'd like this one for nostalgic reasons because Happ was with the Phillies for some time. Um, I think he made a stop in Pittsburgh in his career at some point. Oh, he was, yeah, he was great for the Pirates. Uh, they signed him to like a minor league deal. He ended up pitching really well, and then we traded him for some prospects. Yeah, I thought so. That sounds, that sounds like Happ. Uh, it was one of those reclamation uh, projects the Pirates love that one out of every five pans out. Francisco Liriano was another good one. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Hap signed with the Twins one year, $8 million. He's been kind of poopy for the Yankees um, the past two seasons. Uh, last year, he just was super inconsistent, though his numbers weren't bad. Um, his ERA was 3.47, but his fielding independent uh era if you will was a 4.57 so that that means that he was getting a lot of help from the field so 
but the Twins get him. And, I mean, he's a solid innings eater at the very least. 37 years old. Good for him. Okay. Now, let's get into the fun stuff. The Pirates made two phenomenal moves. I'm just going to get right off the bat, and I'm going to say that. Uh, they trade. The, the better move, in my opinion, was the Joe Musgrove trade. Uh, Musgrove last year was one in five, 3.86 ERA, 39 and two thirds, call it 40 innings pitched, um, 55 strikeouts. So he was striking out people at a, at a pretty good clip. Um, but yeah, uh, Musgrove, good middle of the rotation kind of arm, probably more of a back of the rotation kind of arm. Regardless, the Pirates trade him. Uh, they got him for – he was a part of the Garrett Cole trade. Yes? I'm remembering yes. that correctly? Okay. So they trade him uh, to the Padres. The Padres uh, traded Joey Lucchesi to the Mets. And then the Pirates receive from the Mets uh, catcher Andy Rodriguez. And then they receive David Bednar, uh, pitcher. Uh, center fielder Hudson Head, uh, Drake Fellows, and Omar Cruz, who were both also pitchers. Um, and so, I mean, you get five prospects back for Joe Musgrove. That right there just blew me away. Incredible. And then these aren't just nobody prospects either. Uh, according to MLB.com, Top 30 prospects for the Pirates. Andy Rodriguez is now their 22nd best prospect. Hudson Head is their sixth best prospect. And Omar Cruz is their 20th. So all so three of these five guys factor into their top 30 prospects. Um, guys who, you know, MLB analysts expect to have the best chances to, you know, make the major leagues and actually produce at a major league level. At the very least, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, whether Hudson Head is a, a fourth outfielder or, you know, a perennial all-star, it doesn't matter. They expect this guy to perform at the major league level. So they get three, you know, future guys who could contribute. And just because Drake Fellows isn't on this list um, doesn't mean he also can't um, or, or Bednar for that for that matter. But super impressed with that, again, for, for Musgrove, who – throughout his career is a career 4.68 ERA pitcher. Now he's going to the Padres. I'm sure they're going to get, you know, good value out of him and he's going to factor as their fifth, but they gave up quite a bit for him. And I just absolutely, absolutely am blown away by this move for the Pirates. Yes. Yeah. You touched on a lot of it. Um, I really love what Ben Sherrington has been doing. Not just with this trade, but every trade he's made so far this offseason, including the one you'll talk about next. Yes. Um, Musgrove was, I know what his career numbers say, he was very much improving mm-hmm. year to year. Um, and so, I mean, he he's going to bring a lot of value to the Padres, especially as their fifth. That is a very good uh, fifth starter to have. Yes. Um, he'd probably be like a three on most teams. He was like a one on the Pirates. Um <laughs> But, yeah, still a very, very excellent return. Um, and, yeah, I mean, look, Ben Sherrington was – he came in to Pittsburgh with a pretty 
mediocre roster left by Neil Huntington for him. And he basically had the option, you know, the owner's not going to give him money to spend. So the options are you continue with this mediocre lineup, try to find some value signings and make a winning team that way, or you completely tear it down, start over and get some prospects you like and try to build a pipeline of prospects to compete for years and years to come. And he chose the latter and it was the right move. And he's made some really impressive deals. Like you said, probably better returns than we should be getting for these guys. And um, it's exciting. I also like how, not to ramble here, but with both the Musgrove and the tie-on trade, the prospects they got back are kind of spread out in terms of you know MLB ready, double mm-hmm. A, single A. And again, it's building that pipeline because as a small market team, you know, you've got guys that are triple A now will be ready like next year. Then they'll be gone in three years after that, we'll say. But then you have the single A guys currently ready by the time that they leave. So you're building that pipeline so you can have sustained success and keep flipping and rotating the roster. It's what Huntington should have done. And did for a little bit, to his credit. But I think Sherrington's already doing a much, much better job. So that's what excites me most about it. Yeah, for sure. Vic, anything? Yeah. Uh, I feel like the Pirates, especially as a Pirates fan, have a rep for always trading guys when maybe they shouldn't. Uh, like, you know, they get their best players and then they hit a point where the team may have success and then they trade them. This team clearly isn't at that point now. So I'm all about just getting prospects for the future. And uh, especially for when someone is getting more than maybe what fair value is, it's just a great sign. A little bit of hope for this, this organization. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it finally looks like there's a direction and like an understood direction in which, the the train is is rolling um for the pirates right now um you know you you touched on it Brett. they're a small market team so this is kind of how you have to do things and they've botched you know they've botched it in the past and Vic, you also touched on it trading guys at the wrong time um or or trading for you know terrible value and, and such so definitely or keeping guys for too long right exactly like not just like not capitalizing on it and not pulling the trigger when you should um and you touched on it uh, and said that the the tie on trade so tie on goes to the yankees and the yankees send in return and i'm gonna i'm gonna mess up some of these names i'm sure um ronzi Contreras, uh michael escado cannon smith and miguel Yajur. um which uh, Contreras is their now 19th overall prospect, uh, Smith uh, 26th, and Yajur uh, 14th. So three of these guys factor into their top 30 as well. So just these two trades from this past week, they net six new additions to their top 30 prospects list. To then also pair with that, you know, because you brought up the other trades, um, Josh, the Josh Bell trade, they landed Will Crow and Eddie Yeen, both of them also on this list. Uh, Yeen at eight and Crow at 21. So eight right there. I mean, that's like a complete overhaul of their list, basically. Um, so they've definitely injected some life into their 
into their farm. And, you know, this is the, again, this is what you have to do as a small market team. You know, who, who knows with Hayes and Cruz, basically MLB ready two young guys, you know, if they start performing and all of a sudden the, the pirates start winning and all this thing, I mean, we, we could be a couple of years away from that, I'm sure. But, you know, that starts to happen. Some of these moves where, you know, Hudson head, for example, is, is playing, he's going to be playing rookie ball, but he could be a, a, a piece of a package in which they're bringing in a, a bat to help them get to the playoffs or something. So they really, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, Blanking on the the GM's name. Help me out here. Ben Sherrington. Sherrington, thank you. I I almost wanted to say uh, Huntington, uh, but Sherrington has been doing a really good job of again just picking a direction and sticking to it. And I, I love both of these trades just wholly. And this was this was good on the Yankees part too because they really need pitching, and uh, you, you just know Tyon's going to go to the Yankees and he's going to, he's going to pitch insane. He's, he's going to be so good. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about this is um, I just remember back in like probably like 2014, 2015 after the pirates had just drafted Cole and tie on and back-to-back drafts. Um, I, I was just so excited thinking about like having him uh, Cole tie on and glass now all for like, pitching in the playoffs in the future in Pittsburgh and like what a one, two, three punch. And obviously we'll never see that. And now Tyon and Cole are both on the Yankees, which I think is uh, pretty much sums up, you know, the difference between small and large market teams. Mm-hmm. They, they all end up, they all end up on the Yankees anyways. Right? <laughs> Yankees, Dodgers. Um, yeah. <laughs> Red Sox from time to time, depending on if they're in a win now or if they're in a lose now kind of kind of position. But yeah. Kind of sad. A little. But a little. But that's life, I suppose. Uh but yeah, that does it for that does it for baseball. I, I went on long enough. Tried to make it I had a couple of baseball notes as well. Um Go ahead. I didn't know if you purposely didn't bring this up or not, but the uh, the Mets general manager got fired for yes uh, sending pictures of his dingaling, which I don't know why this seems to happen so much, but like message to all men listening to this and just in general, no girl ever wants to see that. I don't know why, because this is again this is not the first time we've seen like a person in a position of power will say that gets fired because stuff like this happens and and like i just don't i really just don't understand why this ever happens but shame on him Uh, good on the mets for firing him immediately um but that was just disgusting to to hear about i I just want to chime in here uh not just pictures i believe the final count was 62 62 unsolicited pictures. Clearly, the message after picture one is not going to change. Clearly, the message (laughs) before picture one is not going to change. So why you felt the need to send 62, it just blows my mind. Yeah. It's it's disgusting. Men are disgusting. Anyways. 
that was that was all I had to add. Yeah, uh, and, and like you said, good on the Mets for like immediately not even dragging their feet. They fired him immediately and just said, "We're going to roll without a GM for a little bit." So, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's becoming an increasing trend, and it's uh, super frustrating and just disgusting and. Like I just don't, I don't get it. It's kind of mind-boggling too. Yeah, yeah I just don't understand. Yeah. Um, there was actually one more thing that I forgot to to bring up for baseball. Uh, Hank Aaron passed away this this past week. Uh, whether you want to call him the home run king, at one point in time he was the home run king. Um, my favorite video is when he broke Babe Ruth's record and he's rounding the bases and just the place is going absolutely wild. He's, he's an absolute legend. One of the greatest to ever play the game for sure. Uh, this whole past week, I've just been listening to interviews from people who, you know, either it was from while he was playing or shortly thereafter, or even people just, you know, reminiscing about him, currently and uh you know he was a really special person and very sad to hear that he passed away yes yeah definitely the true home run king yeah yeah you know i i'm always torn uh especially because barry bonds like tweeted something and uh it's like well you cheated so Mm -hmm. don't keep his name out of your mouth barry you stupid bitch okay I'm done. Amen. 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 <laughs> All right. Um, what did we want to go to next? Whatever you want to jump to next. Okay. Uh, there's a couple Premier League notes because in I, I know nobody cares, but this season is historic for a lot of reasons. It's a season like we've never seen before. The title race is still more wide open than ever before, but something happened historic this past week, which was Burnley defeating Liverpool at Anfield, which is Liverpool's home stadium. Why this is significant is because uh, Liverpool had been unbeaten in 68 straight home Premier League games, which was a Premier League record prior to this. Burnley was also just four points above relegation at the time they pulled this off. Um, Liverpool hadn't lost since April 23rd of 2017 at home. Um, to put into perspective, that's over a thousand days uh, since they last lost. And again, this was the longest streak ever in Premier League history. And it kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, it's not like Liverpool had a ton of injuries or didn't play their starters. Like, no, they did. Um, Liverpool has just been struggling lately. They actually haven't had a win now in seven straight uh, games across all competitions. So they are struggling and they now find themselves fourth in the Premier League table, uh, six points off of the top, still very much in the title race. But that was pretty cool to see as an Everton fan. You love when Liverpool loses. Uh, especially to Burnley at home. Another note, um, Pep Guardiola, the Manchester City manager, said that he thinks the Premier League should have less teams in it to 
have better competition, improve the quality of the competition, which uh, is just yet another power grab. I've spoken in the past about how the bigger teams in the Premier League seem, not all of them, but a lot of them seem to just want to grab some more power and have these outrageous and outlandish ideas to do that. This is just another attempt. Um, He wants to make a super Premier League. For that, you have to reduce the teams, but we can't kill lower divisions. So I don't know what he has in mind, but his direct quote uh, is, what we should do is make every league in Europe stronger than what it is. Less teams, better championships, better League One, better League Two, better Premier League with less teams in every competition. Go to quality over quantity. This comes, these comments come after uh, he, Manchester City almost lost to fourth tier Cheltenham, Cheltenham Town in the FA Cup. They were down one nothing until the 80th minute. They ended up winning three to one, but they got a scare by a fourth tier team. And I think that's why he said all of this because uh, Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp, Liverpool's manager, are both known to kind of get butt hurt when their teams are almost embarrassed. So they say things like this. It's not going to happen. I just found it funny that he said that. It's just frustrating to hear that they always try to do these, like, I don't know, like power imbalances, or they try to stretch their, they try to stretch the imbalance even further. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, uh, it sounds really childish and like dumb. Yeah, they're just, uh, they have uh, very high egos at those certain clubs. And uh, yeah, they get they get a little upset when that's tested. That's all. I, um, I just once, once the Super Premier League in his mind is formed and, you know, they're down to eventually in his mind, probably the, what, Power Six or whatever they have, uh, the Big Six. And mm-hmm. like, you're not going to win every game then. Clearly, like all you're doing is taking away wins from yourself. Oh, no, uh, but think of the quality of the competition. Right, right. He says right. this in a year that, uh, like I said, is historic in the Premier League and that the balance of play is better than it's ever been in like decades. So I don't know what he's talking about because the quality is there throughout the, the whole table. It's a very tight table still. So he just needs to uh, grow up really and truthfully. But that's all for soccer okay uh any notes in the nba either of you wanted to touch on um, no oh the nets lost twice in a row to the Cavs. was that twice in oh a row? yeah i think that was two back-to-back <laughs> yeah. games and that was really fucking funny um but yeah other than that now i'm good <laughs> nice glad we got that in um, here's something interesting. So the Miami Heat are gonna allow start allowing fans in their stadium, and they're gonna use COVID sniffing dogs to screen the fans before <laughs> they enter the stadium. I did not know dogs could. S- First off, I didn't know COVID had a scent. Secondly, I didn't know dogs could sniff it. So that's well, very interesting, and I'm. Very dogs, curious to see how that dogs works. that don't have COVID can smell it. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. This is all legit, though. Like, this isn't a joke. Like, no, dog... this is this is legitimate. Oh my god. Uh, uh, yeah. It starts this week uh, for a limited number of season ticket holders. Uh, they're going to be allowed in, and they're going to screen them with dogs. I wonder how long it takes to train a dog. Like, can you just take a bomb-sniffing dog and train them on this scent instead? Or do you have to take different dogs that, you know, uh, haven't already been trained to certain scents? This is... I'm going to look so much Yeah, apparently... This, uh, wow, this apparently... They, they can detect it at, like, a really high rate. Like, they've got really good accuracy at, at detecting when people have to. <laughs> this is ridiculous. What can't dogs do? Imagine finding out you have COVID because you went to go to a heat game and a dog basically attacked you because it smelled it that strongly. Of course, this is happening in Florida, too. Like, I don't know. Not to, not to yeah, right? Florida, like... <laughs> shit storm but like what a terrible state can we please get them away from the united states as a whole thanks they'll be underwater soon it's okay yeah um yeah <laughs> no spencer you're right apparently a german study did this because i'm just now reading the whole article and uh dogs are right 94 percent of the time when it comes to coronavirus detection pretty nuts um and the heat are also if a fan is allergic or afraid of dogs they are offering you can go 45 minutes early and submit to a rapid COVID test and they'll Why? have your results back. Why? Bye. Oh my God. Why? <laughs> that is, that's just so stupid. That's the Florida part of this. Holy like, shit. I mean, you're allergic to dogs. What? No. You can't why have a dog are, why are we rapid testing fans? Just don't go. If you're allergic to dogs, then too bad. You can't go. What? Like, we're really employing <laughs> dogs to fucking do this for a fucking sport? Are we serious? Like, can't these dogs be somewhere just better? Oh, my fuck. God, Florida. You Florida. Florida. Florida, I love you. But How I expensive do you Jesus. think it is? How much time and how expensive do you think it is to train it's, a dog to it's sniff It's both dope? too much time, Victor, and it's too expensive. It only takes them two minutes, dos minutos, to train a dog. <laughs> Sorry, I love that. I love how they do that in every game. I had to get that in. Okay. <laughs> uh, apparently, the Heat think it's it's worth it, value wise. Oh my god. Uh, Oh, and other NBA news. Uh, Marcus Smart, the king of flopping, is um, the worst person in the nba and the worst human being ever that's all so i just want to touch to go polar opposite luka donacic has been phenomenal though the mavericks are sitting at 500 um but he's been like flirting with a triple double almost nightly and he's just been so impressive and so much fun to watch i love that man yes he is averaging if you round up a triple double Mm -hmm. pretty impressive Probably, uh, probably the MVP so far, I would say. Yeah, I would. I would think vote. so. I, either, I mean, it's biased, but either him or Embiid. I mean, like Embiid has legitimately been absolutely insane for the Sixers, and actually seeing people say that who aren't in Sixers media has been refreshing. 
for once. Um, but right. I feel like I just every day I see a new take where somebody is just like praising Embiid for taking his game to the next level, and you can tell like he is just abs- he's so crucial when he's not on the court. The difference that it makes. Uh, again, I'm biased, but like it's it's super noticeable. No, it's honestly it's not that biased to say that. Uh, you're exactly right. I would say Embiid would be number two. Um, when you when you just look at everybody in the league, I mean, he's definitely right there in terms of statistically speaking. Um, yeah, he'd be in my top three. Mm. I don't know who three would be. Probably LeBron. Uh, yeah, LeBron <laughs> has similar numbers to Luca, but they're all less still. Um, I was thinking, like, Trey Young has been very good. I think if Atlanta especially makes the postseason, you could argue. Steph's been good. They could argue for him. Steph is also right there in the conversation as well. Yeah, definitely. But it'll be fun to watch. We'll see. Oh, yeah. We'll see. It's still very early. This is all assuming they even finish the season, because I think by week eight, they'll be done. Uh, No, wait, wait, wait. This is we're talking about basketball, Brett, not football. The, uh, the Dallas Mavericks are lucky to have eight wins, and they should have zero. I would agree with that statement. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Dallas City. I think the last thing we should discuss is uh, where, where do you guys see Deshaun Watson going? Huh? Oh wait, this is actually perfect. I had something that oh. I wanted to bring up. Okay, Deshaun Watson. I saw this. I saw a headline and I didn't even read it, but it just got it got the old gears rolling. And I thought because you guys are Steelers fans, this would be interesting. Did you see the thing where it was like the Steelers package uh, or put together a package around TJ Watt and and trade for Deshaun Watson if Ben no. if no Vic, shut up, let me finish. If Ben decides to retire. Okay, I think. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean... You say you're fine with that? I mean... Yeah, I mean... Well, look, it depends... When you say a package around TJ Watt, like, it depends what the other pieces are, but thinking about it, TJ Watt, Deshaun Watson, I'm okay with it. You'll need a quarterback. I am not. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the fact that there is a package around TJ Watt who in line to win defensive player of the year this year was a top three finalist last year. And I get Deshaun will have his seasons where he ends an MVP finalist, uh, if not winning it, but then you take into account contracts and we're paying TJ a lot less than Watson for now. I w- TJ Watt will never be paid for Watson's paid. That's just well, the Watson's a quarterback, yeah. Exactly. But, oh, I just, I would not like that. Okay. Well, that's just... Um, Greg Olson also retired, which he retired to become a broadcaster on Fox Sports. And just for me personally, no offense to the guy, but he's like the most boring human being 
I, like I've ever heard. Yeah, like ever since. Like when you hear him talk, ever since my like ever since he went to Miami, he's been super like just plain. Like he had his whole rap where he's talking about his third leg and everything like that, and that was really funny. Mm. And he seemed like a really outgoing guy. But yeah, now he's just boring. He's probably is he a dad? Does he have kids? That that would explain a lot. Probably. But I just feel like this is going to be another disaster, just like when Jason Witten went oh, to dude, be a... terrible. He, he was so oh bad. God. He was so he was so bad. He went back Damn and it. played football again. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Uh... Okay, I didn't want to interrupt. Uh, <laughs> one other note while we're on football. <laughs> Jumping away from how boring Greg Olson is. Um, Take a the Super Bowl is... Yeah, I completely just blinked as I saw something for hockey as I started to talk okay? about football. Uh, Do you want to talk about yeah. it? Yeah. No, sometimes... No. Um, <laughs> Wait, yeah, what is it? Did the... we talk about it? No. <laughs> it was literally just a score update. Uh, anyways, Sorry. the... Bowl is set. The Chiefs will play the Buccaneers. Uh, we will have a Mahomes versus Brady battle How in the Super Bowl as opposed to the AFC Championship uh, this time. And yeah, uh, we will talk about that more on To the Gridiron. There's also just to give you guys a heads up. Uh, after what I saw Rodgers say, you know, I we made a lot of jokes about Rodgers to the Colts. And Maybe Spencer is more serious than I was about Rodgers to the Colts, but now uh, it's looking more and more like a possibility. So that will all also be talked about in to the gridiron and and Stafford's trade trade uh, how they're shopping Stafford. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So uh, definitely <laughs> going to be an event- eventful schedule last to the gridiron. Can I just say, if you told me at the beginning of the year that Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady would both be in the Super Bowl, I would be so shocked. I don't think I would have been able to contain oh myself. Oh, my God. This is so very <laughs> surprising. I mean, when was the last time we saw either of these men in the Super Bowl? I can't even – I can't remember. Yeah, it's been a while. I, I, I'm really looking forward I will to this say game. Is, what I will say is – uh, at th- when we did our predictions, did you have the Buccaneers making the Super Bowl? I had the Buccaneers making the making the not the championship, the divisional round. So no, no, no I did I was, have the I, Chiefs. I did also have the Chiefs. That was just obvious, though. <laughs> They're too good. Well. No, I didn't have the Buccaneers. I, also, making I didn't even have because, them making uh, I didn't think they were going to be this good. I didn't. Well, y'all are just. I didn't. They were going to live up right, to the hype. I agree. And Tom Brady, they what also, do you know? Tom Brady proves me wrong yet again. I need to stop. Who do you guys hope wins? The Chiefs. But I. Still the Chiefs. I wanted the Bills, but whoever wins the AFC, I wanted over whoever won the NFC even before this weekend. I'm. I think I'd be okay with Brady winning. I mean, like then he'd be like the LeBron of the NFL. He can literally just go anywhere and win them a championship. 
I really just don't care who wins. I won't be upset either way, and I won't really be excited either way. I will be watching for pretty mutual. I will be watching for work, and more so, I will be watching for the commercials. I do not have an egg in the race, (laughs) so I probably won't. I probably won't watch a ton of it. I got burned by watching the Rams Patriots Super Bowl, and I haven't wanted to watch another Super Bowl since then. That was the oh, one that, that really awful. just like that ruined football for me. Um, yeah, what going back to your comment about him being the LeBron of just going to a place and winning anywhere, something I don't think I realized, but uh, until it was pointed out this week is. Tom Brady now has as many NFC conference championship wins as Aaron Rodgers. Yes. And Rodgers has. Uh, so, you know, for how amazing Rodgers is, it actually kind of surprised me that it made me realize he only has one the year they won the Super Bowl over the Steelers. That was the only time they won yep. the NFC. Yep. Pretty crazy. Pretty nutty. He's only been there four but times, yeah. I think. This was his fourth time. So. Or maybe this was his fifth. This was their first time. Hosting what was that? Also. This is the first time that the Packers yes. have hosted the NFC Championship uh, with Rodgers as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. Good stuff. Yeah, he can be the, the he'll be the James Harden of the uh, the <laughs> NFL. That man wins everywhere he goes. God, what a piece of shit. <laughs> Nobody fears the beard. They, they they welcome the beard into their buildings with open arms because they know the beard can't win. And he can't resist when it a counts. donut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, what an overrated player. Oh, my God. But don't worry. They lost back-to-back to the Packers. That was funny. Uh, so funny. Jared Allen went off against them, too, both games. <laughs> His former team. All right, well, hey, talk to you guys on To the Gridiron. Yep, we'll see you then. Uh, Thanks, both of you, for joining. Oh, you're very welcome. (laughs) What's happening? Victor, end it. What what are we doing? It was no no problem, Victor. You know, I had nothing better to do. Well, I I go to end it, but then someone goes to say something, I get accused of cutting it off. Uh, I'm kidding. Please just put us out of our misery. Wait, yeah, I I saw that. (laughs) 